going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. And good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie George Addis. Thank you so very much for tuning in to my show, and I want to get right to tonight's first five. Many other things happened in the United States of America over this last week, beside the Kavanaugh hearings, which riveted everyone's attention for the entire week. And so I want to spend a lot of this hour bringing you up to speed and some things I've learned about the Kavanaugh hearings and uh, and what we need to do going forward. Um, But and then the second hour, there are actually many other amazing things happening, uh, developments in the Mueller investigation, uh, an astonishing thing the country of Turkey is trying to pull. So. But I wanted to focus for the first five tonight on where we are on the Kavanaugh hearing. You likely realize that at the ninth hour, when the the, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee had completed its hearing, we had Senator Feinstein raise this, oh, my gosh, we have to uh, investigate an allegation I've known about since July. And so we had a whole other series of hearings this week, testimony by accuser Dr. Christine Ford from California, and then testimony by uh, Judge Kavanaugh, the gentleman who's been nominated by President Trump to to fill the opening on the Supreme Court. I'm going to tell you the arguments the American left is going to use to try to prevent this, uh, him actually becoming a member of the Supreme Court. And there are and we cannot let that happen. We cannot let the Democrats win this astounding stunt they have pulled. But I will tell you, they're going to have arguments about, you know, the nation's no so divided at this point that, you know, really, we, we probably need to start over. There's feelings are raw here. They'll have the argument about... Um, you know, we, we have to investigate further. We have this new FBI investigation occurring right now. This, this uh, they've been giving one been given one week to investigate more of the, these allegations that are you know springing up from everywhere. I'm going to hit some of that in a second. Um, and so this will. And, and let me just make clear about this investigation thing. It will not matter how long the FBI is given. It will not matter if they've now talked to every kid he's known since kindergarten. The Democrat argument will always be we have to investigate more. Republicans in the United States Senate need to recognize we are being played. This is a this is not sympathy for the accuser, Christine Ford. Christine Ford. This is not sympathy for women. This is not a desire for truth it is a desire to push this hearing uh, uh, back and back and back until they hope they win the midterm elections and can control the Senate and then will no longer allow any nominees by President Trump to get on the court. We also connect, we must reject the judicial temperament argument. I'm going to get to that in a little while, but I want to go back to what, where we really are. In this situation, we have an opening currently on the Supreme Court. We may have several more during President Trump's current term as he serves through 2020 and even in the next term. If you if he were to run and win again and serve 20, uh, you know, 2020 to 24, there will be openings on the Supreme Court. What we saw this week, the level of vicious, nasty, irrational hysteria. This was just a mild warm up 
to what you will see the Democrats in the Judiciary Committee and the entire Senate do if they think that President Trump is going to, for example, be able to fill the seat of, of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ginsburg. And I'm not wishing her ill, I'm not wishing anyone ill, but there will be more openings. You're, this, is just, this is just the dry run, the dress rehearsal for how they will conduct those hearings going forward. There is no reason to permit any further delay. I guess at this point, President Trump has told the FBI they're going to investigate. But I'm going to tell you, folks, the worst is yet to come on this. The four people the FBI is going to talk to this week. Uh, One is this Mark Judge, friend of Justice Kavanaugh, who's already said that never happened. And by the way, it never happened. It didn't happen. He said it over and over. He's going to be questioned again. Um, There's this woman, Julie Swetnick. She's not going to be questioned, but she's the one making allegations about gang rape. She has a monumental um, credibility problem, but they're going to be uh, talking about that whole situation. Leland Kaiser, which is a woman, it's a friend of Dr. Ford's who's already again given her statement again under penalty of felony saying this didn't happen. I don't even know Brett Kavanaugh. She tries to back her friend up, which is what a loyal friend would do. She tries to say, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on what she's saying. I just have no idea what she's talking about. It never happened. I don't know. Wasn't there. Two other people, PJ Smith, supposedly another guy at this party, um, Back in 1982, and the last one being this Deborah Ramirez, uh, a woman who is making allegations uh, relating to college and in some investigation of that. But President Trump's given him one week. And I have to tell you, folks, if you do any activism this entire week, it needs to be to contact your senator wherever you live even your Democrat senator, and say, we demand a vote. This has to end. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, what's going to happen is, in fact, the one expression used by this uh, one of the Republicans in the Senate, whose name is Senator John Kennedy, he's a Republican, uh, so he described the entire episode this week as an intergalactic freak show. And that's exactly what it was. And if you think that Democrats are going to somehow come around to reason... If you think they're going to say, okay, now that we've had these four people investigated, we're ready, we'll concede, time for a vote, understand, never, 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 never. They won't do it. In fact, Bernie Sanders, the Democrat senator who ran for president last time, he, he sent a letter to Grassley, Charles Grassley, the senator who's the head of the Judiciary Committee, saying... I think we have to have a whole new investigation, whole new investigation. Folks, we'll come right after the break. This is Debbie George and America Kimmy Talk on Facebook Live. Come right back after four minutes. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. 
Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with Five Talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Okay, folks, I really want to explain several things about why I say it's so important. The GOP must, must insist on a vote by next Friday. I understand this could get delayed. We could have more people, more time. The FBI investigates. And so we're into we're now five weeks away, five weeks and two days from the midterm elections. The Democrats plan in place since the moment Donald Trump won the election is now being played out in front of you. It's now being played out right in front of you. 
This was the plan to never permit him to appoint even one Supreme Court justice. They couldn't do anything about Gorsuch, but this, they think we're close enough in time and we're close enough to where they may take back the Senate that they're going to stop him from doing this. So I started to say before the break, so Bernie Sanders uh, wrote a letter, astonishingly, Bernie Sanders, who announced the next day after President Trump named Kavanaugh as his nominee, the very next day. Bernie Sanders' statement, we must mobilize the American people to defeat Kavanaugh. This is what Bernie Sanders said. Now that we're in the situation where we have Kavanaugh has been through six FBI vettings, he's now ready to be confirmed, and now we have you know another delay, we have FBI investigations. Bernie Sanders had the audacity to write a letter to Charles Grassley, senator of the, uh, you know, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, to say, I think we need a new full FBI investigation. Now, I have to say, Charles Grassley, he's never been that impressive to me. He's kind of a gravelly voice and all that. But you know what? He let him have it. And if you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, I put his letter up there. It's a, it's a link you can get to. Grassley just said, you know, I'm kind of astonished in light of your opposition to him from the start that you think, basically, you think I would take this seriously. Come on. But, you know, I want to say something. I want to turn this. This Grassley, I've been impressed with that. He, he answered well. But I want to dedicate this segment to talking about dealing with this very, very tender issue of sexual harassment and women. I've had more friends call me this week to say, you know, I've been through, who've seen me uh, doing various media things, saying I was sexually harassed. I was sexually assaulted. I actually was, you know, and describing scary incidents and I knew at the time if I spoke up, I might not be believed. And I, I've been angry all week watching this whole hearing and being frustrated for this woman because a lot of people aren't believing her. But these same people saying, but on the other hand, I don't even know if I believe her. I mean, how do you even know? She didn't raise it for 36 years. I'm going to tell you, folks, the Republicans have to be careful how they speak. And it is not just to be careful to say things they don't mean, but to say that we all agree that actual sexual assault, real sexual assault, is a really bad thing. We're going to condemn it in our country, but we're not going to say that one unsubstantiated allegation from 36 years ago with no proof whatsoever, many, many, I mean, more questionable facts about Christine Ford come out all the time, seriously questionable. We're not going... We're not going to let that derail this nomination, especially when we Republicans can see that what the Democrats are doing are just finding they're just looking for some way to stop this guy from getting on the court. We're not going to get played with that. I want to turn to a clip. You might have recognized that uh, Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona, the aptly named Jeff Flake, um, right before the uh, Judiciary Committee voted. He's the one that said, hey, let's go ahead and um, vote. We'll vote out of the committee. But. You know, before it goes to the floor, we'll have another week's FBI investigation. And that's where we are right now. And so Flake, um, he was caught on camera in an elevator, accosted by a uh, several people. I want to play clip one. These are women accosting Jeff Flake in the elevator. And then we'll talk about women in the sex harassment, I mean, the sex uh, assault allegation. You said just last night you felt that the, wa- that the, that the witness was, in fact, credible. On Monday, I stood in front of your office with Adi Barkin. I told the story of my sexual assault. I told it because I recognized in Dr. Ford's story that she's telling the truth. What you are doing is allowing someone 
who actually violated a woman to sit in the Supreme Court. This is not tolerable. Okay. I wanted to play that just to say this is what Jeff Flake heard in the elevator before he came back onto the floor um, of the Senate Judiciary Committee meeting and said, hey, after all, I think we need to have a further investigation. The reason I wanted to raise this is this. Women have felt, many women have felt, that sex harassment claims and sex assault claims are not taken seriously, that they're, and they're afraid they'll be accused of you know, having caused it, provoked it, being somehow at fault. And so people, for years, women didn't speak up when they were actually assaulted. But what this woman, this irrational, crazy lady is saying to Jeff Flake and to America is, because I was harassed decades ago, and I never told anybody, that means everybody in America must believe everything Christine Ford said. There is no more rationality to that than to, that, than, I mean, there's no rationality to that. And it's important to make this point for, for your friends who are sympathetic. Just because there are women who were sexually assaulted and didn't speak up does not mean Christine Ford is telling the truth. And this whole In fact, there was a Wall Street Journal full-page ad, just two words on it, believe women. Folks, if we get to the point that that's our standard of proof, that's how we treat allegations, that because a woman said it, it's true, we are abandoning the presumption of innocence, we're abandoning the due process we commit to for everyone, We're, we're just abandoning basic justice, basic fairness, and this is what the left is doing. They are manipulating American women to get them thinking that somehow because they or some friend of theirs 30 years ago or last week were the victim of sexual assault, that means every woman who speaks up must be telling the truth. There are a ton of holes in Christine Ford's story. A ton. There is a model life lived by Judge Kavanaugh over decades. We're in the hundreds now of women, of his classmates, old girlfriends, law clerks, interns, Friends, I mean, just decades of people, hundreds of women saying, this is a great guy. Now, I got to tell you, folks, this the woman who was so hysterical, she did contort what she she did twist Senator Flake's, you know, feeble mind and got him into thinking, well, uh, because I've been assaulted like this, somehow I can make it all better for this woman. I can make it all better for women if I go ahead and support having the FBI do a further investigation. And again, I go back to my point in the opening segment. The FBI investigation is being demanded by the Democrats, not with the goal to find truth, not to find truth, but to delay so they can ultimately destroy the Kavanaugh nomination. And we women, I'm folks, this is a, a time for enlightened women in this country to speak up. The, cra- the pink hat ladies from the uh, Women's March, this lady screaming at this guy in the elevator, at Senator Flake in the elevator, they do not speak for American women. They don't speak for me. They don't speak for millions and millions and millions of women who can think a little better than emotional meltdown level, which is where this woman was. She's saying, because I'm upset about something that happened to me, the entire country must do what I say about this nomination. They must believe Christine Ford. They must reject Kavanaugh's uh, defense. They must destroy this nominee. And folks, if we surrender, if the GOP surrenders to this, we can forget 
ever, ever having a successful nominee placed on the Supreme Court by the GOP. When the GOP has a majority, we have a, a, a Republican in the White House because there will always be someone to make an allegation. No one in this country, no one in the world is entitled to be believed just because you said so. And that's what these people are arguing. Compounded with that, I want to point out that these women who were attacking and just uh, going off on flake, one of them is a woman named Anna Maria Archila. And I'm not sure how you say her last name. A-R-C-H-I-L-A. I'm sorry. A-R-C-H-I-L-A. Anna Maria Archila. She is a George Soros employee. She, this is not some innocent, beleaguered woman who happened to be at the Capitol at the right time and had a, for an amazing opportunity to come forward and tell her story. This is a George Soros-planted person. And yet, she got his ear, Flake's ear. I, I always think it's amazing that a guy named Flake could even be elected to the Senate and then be a Flake, of all things, and a snake, too. But anyway... She said, you know, because these things happen to me, they happen to other women, you have to believe her and you cannot move this nomination forward. And folks, the GOP is harassed and maligned by the American left all day long, painted as not supportive of women's rights, painted as, you know, all the things the left tries to do. George Soros lives and breathes in order to destroy American constitutional government, the structure of government, the rule of law in this country. George Soros and his many tentacles live to destroy the American system of governance. And these people were part of convincing Flake that that's what he should do. Flake did a terrible disservice to America to put that out there. We're going to have to go through this week, but no matter what, we better have a vote by next week. I'm Debbie George. This is America Can We Talk. If you're listening on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes. I have more on this, more unbelievable new information. Come right back. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, 
fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty... From free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. CURE's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how CURE works, and how you can help, please visit urbancure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Together, you and I can cure America. Can you hear us now? And welcome back. I am Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. We're going to get to many of the things that happened in America over this last week next hour, but I want to hit a couple more astonishing things related to this Kavanaugh confirmation hearing and have you recognize, I need you to just believe me and get with me, this is a manipulation by the American left. This is not about seeking truth. It's about preventing a conservative majority on the United States Supreme Court. This is what they are doing. I'm going to hit a few more points. I mentioned before the break that this this woman who had the meltdown in the elevator had, was a, a Soros person. To be very clear, so you know, her name, uh, this this is, again, this Ana Maria Aquila, um, Arquila, uh, is the co-executive director for left-wing group Center for Popular Democracy, Democracy Action Fund, which is heavily funded by George Soros. These ladies, I mean, their presence in the Capitol, and it leads me to something I want to point out. This is kind of tied, uh, tied to something that Andrew Breitbart used to point out, that, you know, people who listen to my show, people who are like, we are serious, substantive lovers of America and the Constitution and the form of government we have, we'll read things. We'll actually read things and then process and reason and understand but too many, too many people in America, too much of America, 
their news they understand about this instance and about this whole nomination is because there's a woman who's claiming she's a victim and there's a video to watch. So they watch these women melting down. I have to face my children and tell them that you stood with someone who's assaulted. I mean, the processing is not going on that they that they have no idea what happened with Christine Ford in 1982. No idea. They have no knowledge. But they are indignant. They are outraged. They have been manipulated into that. And they've created something that people can watch and feel like they're really becoming kind of, they're, they're part of the, uh, the inside, the, the elite, the ones who understand. They don't understand anything. They don't understand. They don't know what happened in this case. They are no more entitled to pass judgment on Christine Ford's truth or, or Judge Kavanaugh's testimony than a Martian. They have no idea. And, but they were able to manipulate Flake because no one likes being confronted by screaming, yelling people. So part of the activism, what needs to happen on our side, is more people in Washington, in your state capitol, getting, being part of the process that is informing our elected officials because there's no end of supply of people who can be funded by Soros and show up and make a fuss. So that was my first point. The next point I want to hit on this is that we have for decades in this country had people go through college. You know, they're smart enough to go to college and they have been indoctrinated into the left wing view of the world, which is everything is about your category. You're a woman. You are you have a certain race, ethnicity, national origin. That's who you are. This diversity ideology, this just, you know, my, my very identity is not as an American, as a constitutionalist, as a, as a you know, as a thinker. My my very identity is my gender, is my skin color, is my national origin, is my race. And so when you're manipulat- manipulable like that, you can be a perpetual victim, which is what the left hopes you will always be. This diversity ideology, this hyphenated American ideology feeds into the mindset these women were displaying in the Senate hearing room or in the elevator, it feeds into the mindset of how this story is heard. The left, the media, as I call them on the show, the Democrat media mob, they have created the narrative and it's being sold to people who for decades have been told, this is all that you are. You can't be a thinker. You're not a thinker. You better not be a thinker. You can't be someone who has different values. You have your niche we've assigned you to. It's your gender, your race, your ethnicity, your national origin. And, and here we're going to push your button and you got to go get outraged. These women, they don't even know Christine Ford or Kavanaugh, but they think they're entitled to scream and yell at the, at the Judiciary Committee and win the argument. And in case you, do, you doubt me about there would just be no end of further accusations if you, let, if you continue to play this game with the American left. I want to share one thing with you. Didn't I didn't read about this until today. There was a gentleman named Jeffrey Catalan, C-A-T-A-L-I-N. He emailed or actually wrote a letter, I guess, to Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, one of the most obnoxious Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee. This guy, Jeffrey Catalan, wrote a letter to Senator Whitehouse on the committee claiming that the Judge Kavanaugh had engaged in sexual assault of a woman on a boat in Rhode Island. And so, you know, 
It just came out of nowhere. But again, you know, the Democrats are just hysterical trying to find new allegations. And when pressed and a small investigation was begun by the Senate staff, they said, wait a minute, the guy backed right to said, OK, OK, I made up the whole thing. I lied. If you think that he's one in a million, there are millions of people the Democrats have manipulated into this endless, endless place of victimhood who will come forward with crazy stories. So fortunately for us, Senator Grassley referred this guy to the FBI for making a false statement. I don't know if he can go anywhere with it, but I most certainly hope he could possibly be prosecuted and he should be. Moving on, again, the Kavanaugh thing, a few other points to make because, folks, this is going to just, this is going to define the American future of Supreme Court nominations if we don't put, just nip it in the bud right now. The next big argument the Democrats are making is that because Judge Kavanaugh had the audacity to defend himself, I have a clip coming up here in a second, to come forward and say, um, you know, it, with an outrage that he is he's shown he lacks judicial temperament. He's too political. Do not let them get away with this. This is uh, clip two, if we have it, Greg. Less than two weeks ago, Dr. Ford publicly accused me of committing wrongdoing at an event more than 36 years ago when we were both in high school. I denied the allegation immediately, categorically, and unequivocally. All four people allegedly at the event, including Dr. Ford's longtime friend, Ms. Kaiser, have said they recall no such event. Her longtime friend, Ms. Kaiser, said under penalty of felony that she does not know me and does not believe she ever saw me at a party ever. Here is the quote from Ms. Kaiser's attorney's letter. Quote, simply put, Ms. Kaiser does not know Mr. Kavanaugh, and she has no recollection of ever being at a party or gathering where he was present with or without Dr. Ford. End quote. This confirmation process has become a national disgrace. The Constitution gives the Senate an important role in the confirmation process, but you have replaced advice and consent with search and destroy. Shortly after I was nominated, the Democratic Senate leader said he would, quote, oppose me with everything he's got. A Democratic senator on this committee publicly referred to me as evil. Evil. Think about that word. And said that those who supported me were, quote, complicit in evil. Another Democratic senator on this committee said, quote, Judge Kavanaugh is your worst nightmare. I have to tell you, folks, this What has happened now, the Democrats are trying to say that because this candidate, this nominee for the Supreme Court, had the audacity to defend himself, that therefore he's proven he lacks the judicial temperament to do this job. And folks, I can't tell you how strongly that must be refuted I'm going to tell you that if Judge Kavanaugh sat down in a really calm, monotone voice after listening to all these allegations, which he has denied from the start, and he has, I mean, his life record of years and years of being a noble citizen, all of that was 
um, ignored, and this this testimony, which has which everyone identified by the accuser as having been there, saying never happened, never happened, never happened. If he'd sat down in that hearing and said in a very calm, monotone voice, "I would like to refute the allegations against me. I did not do anything like that. I have not sexually harassed anyone." Any more questions? If he'd done anything like that. These same people claiming he lacks the temperament because he was angry at being falsely accused would be saying, obviously, he's guilty. You know, no one would react to allegations of that serious nature with just a, um, you know, with a uh, the kind of statement he made, the kind of flat statement. I mean, where is his outrage? He should be outraged because he's being falsely accused. I'm telling you, the guy could not win. The temperament you ought to be worried about is the temperament that you saw in the Senate Democrats. You talk about acting unstatesmanlike, unsenatorial, unprofessional. That Those people were the ones whose temperament should be questioned. Okay, we're going to zip off to a break here, and we're going to change topics. Coming back after the break, we have Senator Connie Burton, uh, state of Texas, joining us. Come right back on America Can We Talk. Facebook Live, we're going to get this fixed. Come right back. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldier is deployed overseas, often in harm's way. 
The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether in Forming the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. If you're one of our listeners on Facebook Live, I'm not sure what happened the last segment. So sorry I cut off. Should be fine now. I'm glad to be back. I can see we're on, so that's good. And we have joining us, as I mentioned before our break, uh, a friend of mine, but she's also a uh, just a rock-solid, kind of rock star, actually, Texas State Senator Connie Burton. Hi, Connie. Hey, Debbie. <laughs> Good. I thought we lost you. I thought we lost each other there for a second. Oh, no, we are here. And I am just mentioned okay. our listeners, you're one of our rock star state senators. Um, and so this is cool. You're you're up for reelection. I guess it's, you know, it's a an unbelievable thing to be to commit to being part of a campaign. And even though I do want to get to the issues in Texas state, I love the quick story about why you actually decided to run, how you got involved in politics you're, you're, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I'd, I'd love to share that with um, everyone. So um, I was, let's see, I had a small wedding consulting business. Um, then we had two daughters, and I was a stay-at-home mom. And um, it was actually dur- during George W.'s second term of presidency. You know, I've been a Republican all my life, voted Republican. But I was very concerned in the direction of the country in terms of its fiscal conservatism and you know, the growth and scope of the government, um, while I appreciate all that he did for us, you know, 9-11 and, and um, all of that, um, at the end of the day, we were growing government in ways that I didn't think our party should be growing government. And so I just decided to get very involved, um, you know, joined conservative-type groups, um, you know, went to um, all types of – you and I saw each other many times, as a matter of fact, <laughs> at different think-type organizations, you know, and just got very involved and really quickly realized that, um, you know, you can't uh, affect change at the national level um, overnight, certainly, right? You've got to start in your own neighborhood and your own state. And so I just got actively involved in helping to get 
um, House reps and senators elected at the state level because I knew that was the the best way to uh, begin to affect change um, or in the most direct way, really. So and then um, we were you know doing well over here in Tarrant County. Uh, however, we had Wendy Davis as our state senator, and that was very aggravating to me because she clearly did not hold the same values um, that I do, nor a majority of the um, voters here. Many many voters uh, did not realize what all she stood for, and of course, when she did the filibuster down um, at the on the Senate floor, um, it became very apparent where she, where she stood, and so um, I started looking for somebody to run against her <laughs> and um, ended up being the one uh, to run against her. But she then um, got out of the race, out of the Senate race, to run for governor. Um, and, of course, everybody knows how that turned out. Um, Abbott <laughs> the good guys handily. won. Yeah, the good guys won. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And there was a lot of Republicans then that got into the race to take that seat. Um, there was four other guys who got in, um, and I went into a runoff with another gentleman who had been a previous House member, so he was fairly well known, and um, went into a runoff with him, and then won that race as well. Went on to uh, run against uh, a Democrat who got into the race, which was just basically, you know, had the same values as Wendy Davis, and we ended up winning that. So, you know, at the end of the day, I was a stay-at-home mom who got involved in politics and decided to run for office because I was sick and tired of things, and ended up getting elected to the Texas state. Senate. So I always like to tell that story because I think it's, it's you know, uh, I think we live in the greatest country on earth when you can have somebody um, like me get fed up and decide to do something about it, get elected and begin making change at the state level. I just love it. I loved your activism. You were just a fireball uh, for, for years, and I love that, and you're a fireball down there now. Well, I just want to, you know, because we have uh, listeners all over the country, and, and a lot of the issues that Texas faces are the issues really that are played out in different state legislatures around the country. Um, so so what we're talking about now is not just Texas, although it certainly is, and your reelection is vital uh, to keeping Texas strong and, and uh, solid red. But what are the top issues that you look at, like, keep you really— uh, thinking and, and uh, how, how we should address in Texas? Like, what, t- what drives you? Right. So, you know, I want us, first and foremost, I have said always, um, we must get our fiscal house in order here at the state level. And while, you know, we've done a fairly good job of it, we still obviously have, um, you know, have had in the past big government Republicans at the state level as well. And, uh, as always, you know, governments uh, have – they don't have a taxing problem. They have a spending problem, right? And so, uh, you know, we have a, a federal uh, a government that is $21 trillion in debt. We've got local-level governments that are – you know, debt is out of control. Um, and we need to get our fiscal house in order at all levels. And so, first and foremost, that is my concern. We need to, uh, you know, to be prepared um, at the state level. Another thing that probably a lot of other states are dealing with, you know, we did not expand uh, Medicaid to uh, for the Obamacare for Obamacare, I should say, and which is saved us. So much um, because I, you know, watch as other states are basically going bankrupt because of that. However, um, we still have a Medicaid problem here in Texas. It is, 
it, that's what keeps me up at night. That's what I talk to people about. Um, I, I try to get that message out to everybody. You know, people, everybody comes down to the legislature needing more money for this or more money for that, which, of course, you and I understand means more money out of the taxpayers' pockets. Yep. So many people don't seem to understand that, right? Um, you know, we, we are called the selfish ones because we don't want to take more dollars out of people's personal pockets, which is bizarre to me. Um, but um, – we have health and human services is our um, number two expenditure in our state budget health and human services which you know not that many years ago was way down fourth or fifth it is now the number two expenditure in our budget and 78 percent of that is medicaid spending so education is number one health and human services is right on its tail right on its tail um and then comes uh business and commerce, which which has roads in it. So, you know, if people are wondering, um, I mean, there's ad- additional factors as well, but if people are wondering why our roads are, you know, we're having a tough time with that, it's because health and human services has overtaken even roads in the state of Texas. This is a problem, and this is something that we need to get a, a handle on. Now, um, again, like I always say, I don't mean to dump that in everybody else's lap because I'm elected to take care of that, and that's my responsibility, and I take that on. Um, but I need people to understand that when everybody gets frustrated that there's not enough dollars for this, that, or the other, we are in this. We are under this Medicaid system that is going to kill us. Um, and so, uh, what we want to do, I'm on Health and Human Services Committee as well. Um, and what I want us to do is get a block grant from the federal government without their regulations, um, without them telling us, you know, how to spend it. We need to develop a Medicaid system here in Texas um, so we can direct the dollars to where they actually need to go um, and not to, you know, more able-bodied persons and those kinds of things. Because that's what happens with every government program, right? They all begin for the right reasons, yep. but they it get expanded and expanded and expanded. And you and I know once that happens, then you've got these, you know, you, you know you've got this um, uh, constituency that comes down to Austin to fight stopping it. You know, you can't you can't ever roll it back. And therein lies the problem because you've got so many people fighting to keep those dollars being spent. So um, it's a problem. It's what keeps me up at night. Um, and but we are, you know, we are going to we've got to get a handle on this, and we've got to take care of it because we need to keep. You know, we can't. We're, we're not. We're talking about public safety, education, roads, all sorts of things that that we will not be able to do if we don't get a handle on this. And and what worries me is the vitriol that will come out because you and I know the vitriol all is pretty dang high right now right <laughs> pretty dang high is a yeah to, to say the least say, you know yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and, and you know when you try to say okay we want to do we want to want to do something about this we want to fix it we want to take care of those who really need it and perhaps not those who don't and you know it doesn't matter um you're oh the attacks called. come yeah the attacks exactly. come if you, if you dare exactly. to cut anything Connie, we have like three minutes left i want to be sure and, and hit a couple of things first i okay. think people see at the national level they think well i get the difference at the national level republicans and democrats very very different mindset you have a democrat opponent um but so mm-hmm. what, what would you describe as your big differences between you and your opponent? I mean, your, your policy, your viewpoint differences. Sure, sure. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's just typical. It's no different. Democrats yeah. 
are no different. They want to tax and spend more. They want to expand the size and scope of government because it's it sounds sexy when they try when they sell it. We'll give you this. You can you know you deserve this and you deserve that. Well, you know again like we just mentioned, that's taking money out of uh, people's pockets to pay for that. Um, so, so at the end of the day, it's just it's no different um, than what all uh, Democrats stand for. And frankly, I, there's they don't I don't know what they're running on or what the appeal is to anyone right now uh, because it's it's uh, it's just hot, more and more spending, more regulations. I mean, in my mind, they want to go back to the Obama days of you know high unemployment. Um, you know, uh, the, the economy being sluggish, uh, you know, we're yeah. on fire right now. We're on fire. We, we um, are with, with Republican ideas, conservative, fiscally conservative ideas. We're speaking, if you've tuned in late, to Connie Burton. She is the Texas State Center for SD10. Her name is Connie, K-O-N-N-I, Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N, website, ConnieBurton.com. Love her Twitter feed. I urge you to go, if you're on Twitter, <laughs> if you're not on Twitter, you should be, at Connie Burton. Yeah. Great Twitter feed, lots of good information about her and her race. And um, and so, yeah, I'd love to actually, I think tonight is a deadline. So if you if anyone cares to donate to help out our candidates, might be a good night. But Connie, um, thanks so much for calling in. And uh, any last uh, 10 seconds to our listeners? No, I just if, if anybody knows anybody in Tarrant County that lives in this uh, Senate district, which you can find on ConnieBurton.com, the actual area, I would encourage them to tell their friends and relatives to get out and vote November 6th, because if we get out and vote, we win and we need to continue winning. Connie Burton, you rock. Thanks so much for calling in. <laughs> Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, this is Connie Burton. She is, as I said, a friend, a great conservative uh, Texas state senator. I want to just before I go off to our top of the hour break, tell you that um, I always want to say thank you to our sponsor for this show. The sponsor for America Can We Talk is GC Works. It's a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do the show without them. So very grateful for them. And come right back after our break and we'll be back right after the top of the hour. 